everybody. This is the Shed Dogs Election Special. We're recording and releasing the day before the September 20th, 2021 general election. And we've got our special election expert. The Shed Dogs resident political expert. Griffin of Burnaby in to tell us what he thinks is going to happen and which way the political winds in Canada are blowing. So listen in and then watch the election tomorrow to see how close we came. All right, so welcome aboard, uh, Griffin. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. I, I like I like that you refer to me as an expert, given my um, incredible qualifications of being born to the right person. Well, we're gonna we're gonna edit you out because you're what we've got, and we're tired of using him as our expert. So oh, okay, yeah, and I'm, I'm truly not an expert, and I know you would uh, disagree with being classified as an expert. Yeah, would you say that you've been paying a lot of attention to the uh, federal election this year? Yeah, I would. I mean, I always pay a lot of attention. Um, I can't help myself. It's it's the type of thing that you you hate it, but you love it. Did you already vote? Yeah, I voted on Monday. Atta boy. All right. And uh, I already voted a few days ago. PJ? Yeah, I voted. I dropped my completed mail-in ballot into the mail-in ballot box at the district headquarters yesterday. All right. And uh, KJ, you voted? <laughs> I did, as a matter of fact. <laughs> That's good. Thanks. Well done again. Thanks, right. <laughs> and uh, PJ? Uh, did you find it easy to prepare your mail-in ballot? In to- fact, yes. I had somehow got it into my head that you needed to spend a couple of careful hours reviewing and reviewing before you touched anything. And in fact, the whole thing took about 30 seconds. Here's your ballot. Mark it. Stick it in envelope A. Stick envelope A into envelope B. Sign and date envelope B. Stick envelope B into envelope C and drop it in the box. Done. You're finished. <laughs> I mean, it's really, and they're all... That just rolled right off your tongue. That well, sounded so simple. It is very, it's just... A and B, B and C, Mark, what was it? B, C, A, I can't remember anymore. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. That is how the provincial ones worked, and I, f- I liken it to a Reader's Digest oh, sweepstakes. Oh, no, I, I really found it straightforward. Mind you, for the last month, I've been deeply involved in reading uh, guides for... You know, central poll supervisors and deputy returning officers and all this stuff. And the guides are, you got to really pay attention to figure out what you're supposed to send people. Right. So just before we get into an interview with our uh, resident expert, PJ, you have been uh, employed by Elections Canada. Is that correct? That is correct. I am still, in fact, employed by Corrections Canada. Elections, that's a Freudian slip. Um, And if I say the wrong thing here and now, I could be employed by Corrections Canada. That is also true. As I've sworn an oath, an oath, I say, and go ahead, ask yourself when the last time you swore an oath was, to uphold the Elections Act, which of course does involve not influencing uh, anybody to vote for any particular party. So I may not be making public appearances. I may not go door knocking with some candidate to try to encourage people. Can't do any of that because as an Elections Canada employee, uh, my mandate is to appear impartial. Does this have anything to do with the rollout tomorrow with this info? No, because I'm not going to be expressing any particular, I'm not going to be encouraging anybody to vote any particular way, especially with this group. We've all voted. And I will not encourage, I'll reflect on what seems to be happening, but I'm not going to say anything about who anybody ought to vote for. 
Okay. And you're, you are allowed to encourage people to vote in general? Oh, in fact, I don't know if that's in the Elections Act, but yes, absolutely. I am allowed to encourage people to vote. Show up tomorrow. Get in the lineup if you have to. If you haven't already voted, do it on Election Day. You're a citizen, a Canadian citizen. You got one job and tomorrow is it. So do it. All right. So Griffin, this has been a very interesting campaign so far. What would you say the uh, the big issues are that, at least from the electorate's point of view, and I suppose also from the candidate's point of view? Yeah. I'm, I mean, ideally, those would be the same thing because the candidates have people working for them whose job it is to know what the voters care about. I guess you can't assume that those people are going to do a good job, but you know, ideally they would. Um, if you look at polls, the issues that pop up that people list as being important to them include things like the pandemic, um, housing affordability, health care, the economy. Occasionally, you'll see climate change pop up. You do have to be careful with those types of polls, though, because there can be differences between people's stated preferences and people's revealed preferences. So there are studies that show that when people go to the dog pound to adopt a dog, if you quiz them on what characteristics they value in adopting a dog, and then you look at the dog they actually adopt, there are often differences between what they think, seem to think that they care about and what they actually care about. And it's the same thing with voting. So people say that they care about these things. Do they actually care about them? Well, who knows? Um, but I do think the pandemic has dominated uh, people's thoughts. And, you know, over the past week, it's, it certainly has not helped Aaron O'Toole and the Conservatives that Jason Kenney has been handling the Delta variant so horribly over the past few months and, and how that's all boiling over right at this moment. Um, I think if people are linking the Conservatives with the Alberta Provincial Conservatives, and this might, you know, this might have impacts outside Alberta, if people are making that link, then that could hurt the Conservatives a lot. Yeah, bad timing on the pandemic's part, but predictable as well. Yeah. Well, you, you get to reflect on whether or not the timing for calling the election is linked to the timing of the fourth wave. And with regard to uh, O'Toole, has he spoken Kenny's name yet in the last three, four days? I think he's tried not to. Yes, he's, he's, he did two straight days where he would not say his name in spite of being asked specifically by media. And the other thing that he's doing along those same COVID lines is refusing to say whether or not conservative members, if they're elected, will require vaccination. I believe that's what he's, he's something to do where he's being dodgy about vaccination too. I think it's safe to assume that there are probably a lot of conservative candidates I'm thinking in, you know, rural Alberta and Saskatchewan that are not vaccinated. And so if he, he can't come out and say that all of our candidates must be vaccinated because that would wipe out a lot of his candidates. Well, also his, there's a support group, right? Yeah. People's party might gain some votes if he came out hard in favor of vaccinations. Is that? Yeah, I, I think the People's Party is, is, I think they're going to gain votes regardless. And they will especially do so if O'Toole comes out more strongly in favor of vaccines than he already has. And he's already come out in, in favor of vaccines many times. Yeah, yeah. And, and do you think that the People's Party is going to take votes only from the Conservatives? Or does it steal some from the Liberals and other places? It's a bit hard to tell, but it does seem like they, they'll take votes predominantly from the Conservatives, but they'll also take votes from other parties, and they'll also bring in some people who might not have voted otherwise. 
you know, these people who are just disaffected mm. and, and who reject mainstream thought on a variety of issues. So, and he's a Quebec politician, correct? Yes, he was. Bernier? Once upon a time, he was the Minister of Foreign Affairs for about two seconds before he got fired because he left some important documents at his girlfriend's house and his girlfriend had ties to the Hells Angels. Right. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if he um, will pull block votes. He could. The, the block tends to lean a little more left on economic issues, whereas Maxime Bernier is a, a pretty big libertarian. Oh, okay. So that's what the electorate thinks the big issues. How about you? What do you think the big issues are, and how do those compare with people in your age range? Yeah, I mean, as more time goes by, it gets harder and harder to imagine anything being more important than the effects of climate change. Um, and I think that that's a sentiment that's shared by a lot of young people. I do also, and this ties to what we were just talking about, It it... The timing of this election has led to polarization on the topic of vaccines. Um, by calling the election right as most people had, had finished getting their vaccines and, and as a lot of provinces were con- starting to consider bringing in vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, it politicized the issue of vaccines a lot more than it was already politicized. And that has led to an increase in support for the, the so-called People's Party. And it's it's a bit nerve-wracking to see. It's, if Maxime Bernier wins his seat or if they manage to get a seat somewhere in you know, rural Ontario or something, then all of a sudden this party that rejects facts and reason in favor of just blatant populism will have a seat at the table. They'll, they'll get into the leaders' debates next time. They will be seen as a valid option, and that's, uh, that's not healthy. That could lead to a lot of the democratic problems that we see south of the border. Yeah, I was a little disappointed to hear you say earlier that climate shows up in the surveys from time to time, but not front and center. It shows up pretty often. When I mention the differences between what people think they care about and what they actually care about, I remain skeptical of, of how seriously people, not just in Canada, but all over the place, how seriously people take climate as an issue in elections. Because mm. the fact is, there are just so few countries in the world that are doing what actually needs to be done to to keep temperature increases below 1.5 degrees and uh you know there are a lot of reasons for that but if if there's political will there should be a political way and yeah we haven't found a political way so yeah not too many governments are losing power over their failure to meet their climate targets yeah no nor winning it hopefully that will start as it becomes more and more stark but okay so all the debates have been had already. I think there was a non-television French debate and two television debates, one French, one English. They're, they were all televised. Okay. There was the, the first French debate was run by TVA, which is a, a network that is not in the, it's not in the group of, of networks that created the two official debates. So gotcha. They, they did their own debate. Okay. Do do debates even matter anymore? Debates matter sometimes. They mattered in 2011. That was the start of the NDP rise. Um, they even mattered a bit that the first, the TVA debate in 2019 was was where Andrew Scheer really started to run into trouble. Um, this year, I would say nothing huge happened, but for several days in Quebec, the, the bloc 
which spent most of this campaign not doing very well, the bloc started to rise in the polls a bit in Quebec in the days following the English language debate, because there was a lot of, frankly, uproar among separatists and among Quebec nationalists um, about a question that was posed by the moderator um, in which she referred to bills 21 and 96 as discriminatory. And a lot of people get mad when you do that. And so a, lo a lot of people went back to the block. I think uh, the block was not in very good shape. I think it's in okay shape now. And that's probably the biggest uh, effect that the debates have had this time. In that example you just gave, that would be one where the moderator decided that they would actually label something in, in a political way. Okay, that you know that's discriminatory, Bill. Just stating that as a fact. And was it Sachi Curl was the English language debate person this time? Yes. And I didn't watch the debate myself, but I understand that she started debating with the candidates herself, like decided that she would take a side on things. Is that just a trend that's going to happen more and more? Um, it's certainly a trend that happened in interviews. I, I'll put my cards on the table and say that despite being a, a big politics junkie, I didn't watch the debate either. I couldn't be bothered. It, it just it would have been a chore for me. <laughs> I, I avoided it for the same reason. I didn't want to feel miserable throughout the debate because I don't think that they've settled in on a on a format that works. Yeah, I will say there, there's merit to having the moderator be able to to call candidates on things when when they're when they're saying things that aren't true. And frankly, in reference to bills twenty one and ninety six, uh, you know, ninety six can be debated. Bill twenty one is blatantly discriminatory. Um, it needed the notwithstanding clause in order to pass. If you're a guy who wears a turban or if you're a woman who wears a hijab, you can't be a, a public school teacher or a police officer or a judge. You know, officially speaking, the law applies to everyone, but it doesn't affect everyone equally, certainly not. Yep. And I, I don't mind her calling that discriminatory. So um, just to get a little bit more specific, we've noted the NDP's uh, rise. I think in the last election, they did quite a bit better. It seems like they're pulling better in this election again. Correct me if I'm wrong, but last time around, Jagmeet declared that he would never form a partnership with the Conservatives. And some have said that that hurt him when it came time to negotiate with the Liberals on uh, what the position would be before declaring that they would be with the Liberals. This time around, Jagmeet said that he's willing to negotiate with the Conservatives. What, why would he have done that? And what are some of the possible consequences of doing that? Yeah, I mean, when he said he wouldn't support the conservative last time, I don't think that ever actually had that big of an impact because he wasn't really in a position to negotiate with anyone anyway, even though there was no majority. But it could have. it In the case where the conservatives get more seats than the liberals, but the liberals are still attempting to hang on to power anyway because the conservatives don't have a majority, in that scenario, it's important for Singh to have negotiating power so that the liberals can't just walk all over him and say, well, it's either us or the conservatives and you're never going with the conservatives, so you will do what we tell you to do. Or you publicly already promised to never go with the conservatives, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's not going to lose political capital this time if he chooses to side with the conservatives, basically. I mean, I th I honestly, I think he still would. It, the thing is, I don't really see this, this statement having that much of an impact. I think that the... It, if the conservatives were, did so well that it would genuinely be that unworkable to keep the liberals in power, then maybe he could try to work something out with the conservatives. 
But you have to remember that, that there are a lot of people in the NDP who are, you know, diehard socialists and who loathe the conservatives with every fiber of their being. And the last thing you need is, is for those people to get angry. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you would either. I, I agree with you on that. Okay, on the, you touched on the topic of polls a little bit earlier. Uh, are polls seem to be less accurate? Are they really becoming less accurate, or is that just a perception? Polls are fine. I mean, they're, they're not that much less accurate than they ever have been. It is true that polling, as time goes by, has gotten harder, largely because people just don't answer their phones anymore. Uh, I personally, if, if my phone rings and I don't recognize the number, I don't answer. Same. Period. Same. Um, so that's, that's difficult. If you want to pull 1,000 people, you probably have to call something like 100,000 people and hope that you know, 1% of those people pick up. Um, now, pollsters do have methods to account for stuff like this. They can change their methodologies. They can change their sampling methods. And as a result, polls tend to be pretty okay. Um, you do have to be careful with them. So, for example, if a, poll comes, if a national poll comes out, you'll have the national numbers. Then you, they'll also usually do regional numbers or provincial numbers. So they'll say these are the numbers in Ontario and Quebec and BC, and maybe, the, maybe they'll group the prairies together and maybe they'll group Atlantic Canada together. You have to be careful with those because those tend to have, if you're only looking at the, at the BC sample, that usually will have a really small sample size. And so there's a lot more potential for error there. And you also have to pay attention to the fact that we don't directly elect a prime minister here. So just for just for context, in the 2019 election, the Conservatives actually got the most votes. They got about 34% of the votes. The Liberals got about 33% of the votes. But the Liberals got the most seats, and in fact, they almost got a majority. I think they were short by 13 or 14 seats or something. So when you look at the top-line numbers in a poll, that doesn't necessarily tell you the full story. It's so like polls right now have the Liberals and Conservatives about even in support, approximately even in support. If that holds you would expect the liberals to do better in the seat count. Right, right. Well, it's easy to forget that, actually. I forgot that the conservatives were ahead in the last election in terms of popular vote. Yeah, because the the conservatives tend to do extremely, extremely well in places like Alberta and Saskatchewan. There are ridings in rural Alberta where the conservatives were getting 70 to 80% of the vote. Right, right. Which, you know, it's, it's you know good, good for you if you get 70% of the vote, but that doesn't get you any more seats. You still only get the one seat. Whereas the liberal votes tend to be distributed um, more efficiently across the country. So Trudeau uh, reneged on uh, election reform last time when he got in power. He said, uh-huh. ah, we're not going to do anything about that. Given what you just said, would some types of election reform then put the conservatives squarely in power? Because those 70% ridings, the people who whose vote didn't matter because they were way in the majority, would they get, like, in some cases, they would get a second vote? to? Th- well, I mean, I would imagine it's probably not that hard to devise a system that puts conservatives in power, but of the systems that tend to get talked about, there's ranked choice voting and then there is some form of proportional representation. Ranked choice voting would probably favor the liberals. Okay. Proportional representation might, you know, in 2019, that might have led to the conservatives having the most seats, but it would definitely wouldn't have led to them having a majority of seats. And in countries that have proportional representation, like a lot of European countries and, and New Zealand, coalitions are the norm. 
not the exception. Mm, right. So right. I think that it would be a lot more likely to see, for example, the liberals and the NDP and maybe the Greens working together. I also think it's worth pointing out that the conservative party itself is pretty divided. And if we ever saw a proportional representation take hold, it is reasonably likely that the conservative party would actually split in two. Hmm. And that the more moderate people would go their own way and then all of the, the, the more extreme people would go another way. Yeah, super difficult to predict, eh? Because there could be a liberal, some people from the liberal party go to a new party that the conservatives split into. And, yeah. And yeah, and I think, I think one of the characteristics of uh, proportional representation, like you said, in addition to coalition governments, it's more frequent elections because the coalitions don't hold as well. Cause, Not necessarily. I mean, no? Germany is having their election right now, and they have, I think they have mixed member proportional or something, and, and it's it's always a coalition for them. And they have elections, I think, every five years, four years. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. but then, it's, then I'm wrong. They're making it work there. Yeah, it's it's because it's the norm. When it's the norm, going to an early election is considered a pretty extreme thing. You only do that when the government just falls apart and cannot work together. But if the norm is working together, then it's not that hard. Yeah, actually, to be honest, I was thinking, I made that remark uh, thinking back to some point in the, in my life where Italy was experiencing constant political turmoil. Yeah, Italy and Israel tend to have a lot of problems. Places like Germany, New Zealand, they tend to get by a bit better. I think... Uh, was it the Netherlands or maybe Belgium? There, there were a lot of problems there, too. They went for over a year without having a functioning government at one point. And didn't Mr. Trudeau make a pledge today that he's going to go back to uh, election reform? I think he said he would consider it, which <laughs> yeah. I, I kept the laugh. I don't know why he wants to remind everyone of a broken promise <laughs> two days before an election. Mm. But, uh, you know. No kidding. No kidding. I mean, he's playing 3D chess. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, hands up in the room, how many believe that promise? You know, like, that's the trouble for him, I think, is... But he could push through a, a version, or he could try to push through. If he had a majority, he could try to push through a version that would always favor the liberals. Yeah, I mean, he he likes ranked choice voting. And a big part of why he went back on his promise earlier is because ranked choice was not going to happen. He wasn't happy with that. Yeah. Hey, so... Uh, how is BC looking? Do you think BC will be stronger for the NDP or just as strong or weaker? There are a few polls specifically of BC, and they tend to show the Conservatives and the NDP doing a bit better than last time. The Liberals may be doing a bit worse than last time. Um, so we could see a, a few seats turn orange. Okay. And you are in the South Burnaby riding, correct? Yes. So I guess that's fairly predictable? Yeah, I would be... I would be quite surprised to see uh, Jigmeet Singh lose his writing. Excellent yep, pronunciation yep. there, Griff. Your dad screwed it up three or four times in a row. I, I noticed, <laughs> yeah. Have I been calling him Jagmeet today? Yes, you certainly have. <laughs> Jagmeet. Yeah, exactly. Jagmeet Singh. Wackadoo, wackadoo. Why don't you just throw that in, too? So. Oh, well. Yeah, my bad. I'll, uh, I'll just uh, flip it into the uh, recording like Jagmeet Singh. <laughs> hey, Griff, how are the Greens going to do? Oh, I don't... Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're even going to be in the House at all, I wonder. Uh, th- they'll be... The, uh, look, I would be shocked if Elizabeth May lost her own riding. Mm-hmm. Um, and the crazy thing is, 
as as badly as the Greens have been doing over the past several months and as much of a train wreck uh, they've been in with all of their internal divisions, there's a riding in Ontario, Kitchener Centre, which the Liberals won last time with a guy named Raj Saini. He... Oh. Uh, you might you might recognize yeah. that name because yeah. he's been in the news. Yeah. He's been disavowed by the Liberal Party yeah. because of some, some sexual impropriety. He's been bad. He's been naughty. Yeah. Now, he's still on the ballot, um, and he's listed on the ballot as a Liberal. Because it's too late to get him off. Yeah, but he's not campaigning. The Liberals have disavowed him, and the Greens actually came in second in that riding in 2019. Woo-hoo. So, mm. ironically, even though the Greens are a disaster, like, they, they actually have a pretty good opportunity for a pickup there. That's honestly a three-way race that the Greens could take it, the NDP could take it, the Conservatives could take it. Maybe if something crazy happens, if, if people aren't reading the news, maybe they'll just go ahead and vote Liberal anyway. I don't know. Uh, but the Greens actually have a hmm. decent chance there. Hmm. Well, I should like the enemy in the leaders' debate, and I just saw her in uh, Victoria today on television, and God, she's a good speaker. She is. Yeah, I heard she did really well in that thing, too. I didn't see it, but I heard she did really well. And it made me think, like, I'm not a real big fan of party politics, but it's what we have. And I don't know about you guys, but when I think about who to vote for, I often do think about, even though I dislike party politics, I often do think about will they function as a group? And the Greens look unlikely to function as a group anytime soon. Yeah, I wonder. I do. Does anybody know what happened behind the scenes anyway? What really happened to cause all this uh, animosity? No idea. I don't know the full story. I know what's been in the news. And what's that? Well, I mean, there, there have been dis- internal disputes in the party ever since she took the leadership, I think. Um, where it really boiled over was uh, in the spring over Israel, of all things. There is conflict in between Israel and Palestine, and two of the three Green MPs at the time, Paul Manley and Jenica Atwin, made social media posts referring to Israel as an apartheid state. Oh, that's, yeah. And then one of Anime Paul's senior advisors denounced them really strongly and basically said, like, we're going to try to see if we can, if we can elect someone else in your writings. We will, we will come for you and we will get rid of you. Mm. And then Anna Paul refused to refute what her advisor said. She didn't. Mm. She didn't endorse it, but she, you know, she just kind of let it happen. And finally, um, one of those two MPs, Jenica Atwin, who's the MP she for Fredericton, crossed the floor. She left to join the Liberal Party instead, and that's huge because that that you know that's one third of the caucus, and, yeah, and she's yeah. just gone. That blows me away that there's even a question that Israel's an apartheid state. I mean, isn't it like by definition they are? And the thing is, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily about Israel. It was about the fact that she wasn't defended by her leader. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, speaking about uh, what you've learned in the media, uh, it's hard to know who to trust. I mean, I certainly, we get the Vancouver Sun, and I believe that, that uh, Post Media, in part, is owned by oil interests, although I could be wrong about that. They certainly seem to be very conservative in who they come out and recommend, and a mm-hmm. lot of their editorial page coverage mm-hmm. who can you trust these days who would you see as being the least biased and most fact-based anyone i mean i think that the best strategy with the media is to just read lots of different things really you 
don't rely too much on any one source. I did see, I think, I think post media officially endorsed the conservatives today, which they always do. But yeah, you just, you go to lots of sources. And the thing is, even within sources, there can be differences. Like people say the CBC has a liberal bias and there is a lot of truth to that. But you know, up until a few years ago, the CPC employed Rex Murphy. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, if it was a conservative government in power, the CBC would display a conservative bias, I'm pretty sure, because those guys are their well, paymasters, right? They can't be... I don't know. I think I think if you asked people in the Harper government if, ah, uh, if the CPC was nice to them, they, they might not. Uh, yeah, fair point. They'd probably have some things to say about that. But still, Rex Murphy. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, uh, so... You just read everything. Read a lot. Um, I have a few. I, I tend to listen to radio shows, CBC and CTV uh, podcasts or radio shows because I can listen to them at work. And then whatever stories I want to read about, I can just Google and get lots of different sources on them. Yeah. <laughs> Predictions, Griff? Uh, I think we can probably rule out a conservative majority. Um, and I don't think a conservative minority is looking that likely, especially since, as I mentioned earlier, even if they get more seats, they don't necessarily get to take power. I'd, I'd say the single most likely outcome is a liberal minority, another liberal minority. But honestly, the, the polls are close and it could go a lot of different ways. Yeah, I, I would watch the read the thing on CBC a couple of days ago with the various forms of government. <laughs> Should there be a minority? Right. And yeah. it's. It's not set in stone what happens at all, is it? Depending on the numbers of the block and the NDP, uh, things can swing pretty drastically. If the Liberals can get by just with the support of the NDP, then, well, that you know that's basically what they've been doing for the last two years anyway. If they need both the NDP and the block, then it's a bit of a different story, and then it gets a lot more messy. So will the block back the Conservatives? Uh, I don't know what the block would do. Because uh, <laughs> you got to figure their ideologies and everything except can we separate are likely to be pretty similar, right? But I, I feel like the conservatives would never, ever entertain allowing sovereignty or separation. I just the block can actually be kind of left-wing on a lot of issues, especially things uh, like climate change. Um, the thing is, though, whenever you have to rely on the block, the, it it, it never looks good. You know, I, I don't know if you remember following the 2008 election, there was a lot of talk about a liberal NDP coalition. But the problem is they would have needed the support of the bloc and the public absolutely hated that idea. And the liberals ended up backing out after uh, after they got a new leader. Mm. So if you have to rely on the bloc, it's, mm. you know, so it, it's hard. It's bad optics. So then, if it is, in fact, like we, we had this conversation also about a week ago, and our conclusion was the same as yours, we all felt that a liberal minority government was the most likely outcome. Um, so you kind of wonder, what's going to be the price? Trudeau took a lot of heat for calling this election in an opportunistic manner. And at the end of it all, when the smoke all clears, he's right back where he started, in the course of calling this election, he, he said a bunch of stuff about the NDP being uncooperative and forcing his hand, which is, you know, in many, many areas found to be debatable. At best. So will all those go together to give, say, for example, the NDP greater leverage in a future minority government, do you think? Maybe, but I, I mean, it could even give them less leverage because, you know, if we get a parliament that's similar to the last parliament, then 
at every confidence vote, the NDP has to make a choice. Do we support the liberals or do we call another election? Mm. But if you call another election again, eventually people are going to get sick of it. You know, it, in, um, in 2011, one of the biggest reasons why the conservatives finally got their majority was because people were just sick of having elections over and over again, and they want stability. But then it's the blame game, isn't it? I mean, in this case, Trudeau attempted to place blame for this election on the NDP. And so then going forward, whoever is responsible for the next election, you know, they're going to really take a lot of heat. They're, they're likely to suffer in that election. Right, but who will be responsible for it? Well, uh, but if you're the NDP... You make your whole aim in life to show that you're not, that you are fighting for people and you're not supporting liberal. Like, I don't know. I just, I hear you when you say it might go the other way, but I wonder a little about how that will go because a lot of anger with Trudeau for calling this election and a lot of cynicism about his explanations for it. Yeah. But, but then again, I mean, you know, People blamed him for calling the election, and yet we're sitting here and we're all saying, well, it's probably going to be another liberal government. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, I mean, holy Dinah, you know, a vote for the NDPs, a vote for the Conservatives, those old tropes. I even had somebody uh, telling me that, no, no, you better not tax the rich because all those big businesses will leave the country and then we'll be sorry. Uh, you know, all the old chestnuts have been dragged out and people still respond evidently because as you say here we go we're going to be right back where we started all right well griffin thanks so much yeah this has been uh, very insightful uh listeners if you haven't voted yet please do go to the polls tomorrow and vote they a lot of people think if, if their vote doesn't tip their candidate in favor that their votes wasted that's not true at all um, political parties actually poll all the time, and when they do polling, it, when they see or when they see in an election that that a certain party has gained on them, not beat them, but gained on them, that actually makes them think quite a bit about their policies and how can they gain more voters away, and that means that they often will lean in the direction of where you are voting. So, uh, 100%. By all means, get out there and vote, even if you're, the person you're voting for will not win. Yep, I agree. You vote your heart, I think, too. The strategic voting thing is just, I think, a tool. I vote your heart. Griffin, thanks once again. We look forward to uh, many future uh, election specials. All right. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks, Griff. Fantastic. See, See ya. Griff. Griffin never ceases to amaze me. He's got all those, well, yeah, if you put those talking heads on TV, they get asked a question and they have instant recollection of who ran in a certain riding in a certain year. Well, his references to 2008, 2011 were pretty wiggy. What was he, seven years old or something? I can't remember what day of the week it is. He's just like, yeah. Anyway. So there you have it. The experts have spoken and the fools have chimed in. It only remains to actually watch the election vote if you haven't as rj said to see how close we came we think we're dead right we think this is a walk in the park for us we're smart guys why wouldn't we know this i don't think we really oh i guess we kind of predicted it we totally predicted okay uh so you know we'll all know tomorrow we hope you do get out and vote and we hope we were right because after all this eating a lot of crow if we're not take care of yourselves till we hear from you again thanks bye bye now
Hey, everybody. It's uh, I turned 65 today. Yes, that's right, RJ. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy know, birth- huh? 65. Moby, do you get to use your uh, seniors discount very often? I get it automatically at a PharmaSafe that I use, but they did never ask me for ID or anything. We actually go um, one day a week. We go to a, a front porch and just sit around and complain. <laughs> it's just great. And predict the weather with our sore, aching joints. So, Richie, I've added you to my uh, calendar. I, I never had your birthday on there. And it's also uh, Muriel Gibson's birthday. And Carol Reed's birthday. Happy Holy birthday, shit. Muriel and Carol. All right. I still have my Dr. Bonnie Henry uh, button on, even though you know I'm not pleased with how laid back she is about stuff. But uh, Oh, do you want to see them dragging anti-vaxxers out of their homes and forcibly administering? Is that what you're Well, I mean, they for? know they do their stuff like two weeks later than... You know, everybody's, everyone's oh. aware that it's time to put the hammer down. And she goes, no, we got to be kind and gentle. And then two weeks later, she goes, okay, we got to put the hammer down. Yeah, but if your choices are her or Tyler Shandro next door. In Alberta? Dr. Bonnie's looking pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alberta's just an absolute flaming cluster. Just holy mackerel. Absolutely. And we would send them people to help out if we had them, because it doesn't matter how idiotic your government is. We have yeah. to be aware that Albertans sometimes vote in NDP governments. They're not all. Oh, they're going to all vote. Well, that's a lovely segue into today, isn't it? Sure is. Because you look at the polls, as many of you might have this morning, and you will see that their recent experience with a conservative provincial government doesn't seem to be impacting their likely federal choice, which blows me away completely. Really? Yeah. 11.36 for a teen combo in the mall at Capilano Mall. Okay. 12.54 for the same teen combo at the A&W drive-thru across the street. Mm. What the damn bloody hell over. Like I thought they, if you were a franchisee, I thought you were subject to the price structure of the mothership, damn it. That's what I thought too. And I always wondered about like in places like New York City uh, or super high rent places, how can they possibly afford to stick to the pricing unless A&W just, you know, subsidizes them. Yeah. Well, I'm going to write a letter to those guys. Yeah. I, I really do. Well, it's not even but, so but much still, anger. I just want to know what is that? But, what, but kind still, of I mean, I imagine uh, rent, renting a place in a mall is way cheaper than running your own drive through. So to be fair, they should charge more. I, I have no idea. I, and I, like I said, I would just like to know. It's not that I'm all smoking hot angry, but I would like to know for the convenience of drive through if I'm going to have to pay a buck and a half more, then I'm going to assume it is for the convenience of driving through, which is arguable. You know, maybe the convenience of not being in the mall, if you want. But it's a buck and a half more, and I just want to know what, why I'm, what I'm paying for. You're making me hungry. Yeah. I see here uh, when I Googled on McDonald's.com, you're right to know. They say prices differ slightly depending on a number of factors, the main one being cost of operations. So that's it for you right there. That's McDonald's. Yeah, but I figure a <laughs> is going to be the same, right? <laughs> no, you're right, of course. I'm just gearing you there. Yeah, I guess that is it. Still write your letter skin. Well, just I would like to know if they reply. I'd like to know what they say. I think that what you just read there, RJ, is the answer, though. Yeah. And I kind of wondered that driving away because... Like I said, driving through is more convenient. And so they, they, 
I don't know about their costs, but they can charge you more because it is easier for you to get your food that way. This is nice today. I'm having a half a day off and I feel all relaxed. I get to have coffee in the afternoon. It's great. I've been just, yeah. I mean, this, this job, my longest day is 10 and a quarter hours, but it's like, it's because it's every day. I'm walking like 11, 12,000 steps every day and I'm doing a whole pant load of stoop and pick, you know, stoop and pick, stoop and pick yeah, yeah, yeah. all day, every day. And it's just, I'm just done. The other day, Tuesday, I thought, well, my back's sore because my back's been sore every single day. So I drew a nice hot bath. I got in it and fell asleep within about three minutes. I just passed out in there and woke up about 15 minutes later. Just done. So this is nice. 